Lucky Land Casino asking people what's the weirdest place you've gotten lucky? Lucky? In line at the deli, I guess? Aha, in my dentist's office. More than once, actually. Do I have to say? Yes, you do. In the car before my kid's PTA meeting. Really? Yes. Excuse me, what's the weirdest place you've gotten lucky? I never win and tell. Well, there you have it. You can get lucky anywhere, playing at LuckyLandSlots.com. Play for free right now. Are you feeling lucky? No purchase necessary. Void prohibited by law. 18 plus. Terms and conditions apply. See website for details. <laughs> Welcome to the 476th episode of Travel Witch Radio. I'm your host, Dan Schlossberg, along with co-host Mary Ellen Nugent-Lee, and this is the 11th season of Travel Witch Radio, the show that lets you enjoy the pleasures of travel from the comfort of your armchair. Every week at this time, we talk to people representing destinations, hotels, airlines, railroads, car rental companies, and others in the world of travel and hospitality, from authors and bloggers to broadcasters and publicists. If it's got anything to do with travel, it's got everything to do with Travel Itch Radio. And tonight, we head to Greensburg, Kansas, to find out how they're doing after a devastating E5 tornado in 2007. We welcome Stacy Barnes of Greensburg Tourism to Travel Witch Radio. Welcome, Stacy. Thanks for having me. I'm excited to visit with you. And I probably should have said F5 tornado. It's the Fujita scale, right? Yes, it's EF5, actually, the enhanced Fujita scale. Okay. When many people think of Kansas, they naturally think of The Wizard of Oz, the 1939 movie that is still shown so often on network television. Is that a misconception? Um, yes and no. Um, we we hear from a lot of visitors, um, Dorothy references um, all over the state. And in fact, there's a couple towns that are taking advantage of that as far as tourism attractions. And so I think it is something that lots of people think of when they think of Kansas, but we're known for many, many more things than just that. Mm-hmm. Well, I must admit that my little dog looks just like Toto, so that could be one of the references. <laughs> And I understand that the Greensburg tornado of 2007 was actually one of eight that occurred in your area on May 4th. Is it true that the main wedge tornado had winds of 205 miles an hour and was one of only two EF5s to hit the U.S. that year? Yes, we were actually the first EF5 tornado to um, hit in the United States. So first they started using the enhanced Fujita scale. Before that, they were just using the F rating. And so the Greensburg tornado was the first EF5 tornado to hit. And it was a very large storm system that night that had many large tornadoes in it. Well, I can understand why they were using the F system. That's probably the word they used when they found out a tornado was coming. Yeah. (laughs) Yes. Was it also the most intense tornado since the Bridge Creek Moore tornado hit Oklahoma in 1999? Yes, this is one of the largest tornadoes. When you Google largest tornadoes in the world, we definitely are on the top ten list along with that 1999 Moore tornado. Which is not necessarily a record list you want to be on. Yeah, that's true. The size of the Greensburg tornado was as big an issue as its strength. Reports indicate it was a wedge tornado with a funnel 
that had a width of 1.7 miles. To compound the felony, an even bigger EF3 developed north of town that was 2.2 miles wide, making it the second largest tornado ever documented at that time. But it didn't do the damage of the one that wiped Greenberg off the map, did it? No. Um, Kansas has a lot of rural farm ground area, and so that one was mostly in rural areas that were unpopulated. But the one that hit Greensburg came right up the middle of town, and just before it hit the south edge of town, it actually straightened its path to come right up through the middle of town and basically was the, the width of all of Greensburg. We're talking with Stacy Barnes of Greensburg Tourism. So, so Stacy, tell us again, how long did the Greensburg tornado last, and how long was its path? It was on the ground for about 28 miles. It started in the county southwest of here and was on the ground as a very long track and large tornado. Um, as far as like time on the ground, um, I'm not sure, but really about 15 minutes before it hit town is when they sounded the sirens here and people oh. knew that it was a, a very imminent emergency situation. And the tornado smashed everything from well-bolted houses to a hospital, a motel, city hall, two schools, even a railroad tank car carrying 14,000 gallons of ammonia. But isn't it true that the courthouse, the grain elevator, and the Greensburg meteorite were spared, even though the meteorite was blown away and found days later? And so that begs the question, what is the Greensburg meteorite, and how long has it been a local attraction? Well, one of our original claims to fame before the uh, tornado was the Space Wonder Palisite meteorite. There is a meteorite field about six miles east of town here, the Brenham Meteorite Field, and it is known worldwide to meteorite hunters um, for palisite meteorites. It's one of the few places in the world they can actually be found. And in the museum that we had before the tornado, and then also now today, we have one of the largest specimens. It's a thousand pounds of palisite meteorite. Wow. And I have to mention, I'm a huge fan of Superman, and Superboy actually was raised in a fictitious town called Smallville, Kansas. Yes. And the little rocket from Krypton that landed there, they thought was a meteorite. Hmm. So I wonder how much fact and fiction there are intertwined there. Anyway, moving you know, I on, haven't Greensburg thought about has that the before. world's largest hand-dug well, dubbed Big Well, but the Water Tower and Visitor Center fell victim to the tornado. Are they back? Yes, the well survived. It's a hand-dug well that was built in the late 1800s. It's the town's mm. original water supply, but it's been a tourist attraction here um, for over 125 years, and it survived. However, the building that we had before did not. Um, but we have rebuilt a brand-new museum that is over the well and a new water tower. And in the museum, we have exhibits that talk about the history of Greensburg and the tornado, what happened here, what people experienced, and then also our um, initial rebuilding um, process that we went through. I hope the water is free at the museum. <laughs> yes. <laughs> and you can walk okay, down we're... a spiral staircase down into the well. Ooh, wow. We'd love, to, we'd love to know what else is back, so please tell us about the history of Greensburg and describe what the town was like before, especially its population and location. 
Mm-hmm. Well, we're in South Central Kansas, and we were a pretty typical rural Kansas town before the tornado. Um, your old brick storefronts on Main Street, a very small, tight-knit community where everybody knows each other and uh, takes care of each other. At the time of the tornado, we had about 1,200 people, so a very small community. And um, today we have about 850 people. We're still a very close-knit community, but because of the tornado uh, destroying 95% of our buildings and homes, it looks like a different town. But we're still in a lot of ways the same um, other than we've gone through this life-changing event. Mm-hmm. And we're talking with Stacy Barnes of Greensburg Tourism. Stacy, what's the nearest big city? The nearest larger city it would be Wichita, Kansas, which is 100 miles to our east. And then a lot of people are probably familiar with Dodge City uh, for its Wild West heritage. And we are 45 miles to the east of Dodge City. So we see a lot of visitors from all over the world that come, that want to have a Wild West experience that can only be found in um, rural Kansas uh, and in Dodge City. And so we see a lot of visitors that come through um, headed there from all over the world. Hmm. And since it is such a small town, I'd never heard of Greensburg, Kansas before the 2007 tornado. So could you tell us exactly where it's located? We assume it's probably right in the middle of that area called Tornado Alley. Yes, we are right in the middle of Tornado Alley. We are about um, 30, 40 miles from the Oklahoma border. Um, so we are definitely in the southern, south central part of Kansas. Hmm. Right in the middle of Tornado Alley. Did you have any past history with tornadoes, or was the 2007 incident the first one? It was the first one that hit town in this magnitude. Um, Tornadoes like this don't happen all the time. We did have a tornado in the early 1900s that hit a part of town. But, you know, I grew up here, and if you live in Kansas, um, it's something that you experience almost every spring that you have thunderstorms, hailstorms, and tornadoes. Um, but to be honest, I've lived in Kansas all my life, and I've never seen one. Um, I actually wasn't here the night of the tornado. My uh, parents were here, and I would moved away for college at the time, so I wasn't here for the tornado itself, um, but moved back shortly after. Um, to be a part of the rebuilding. But, um, you know, springtime in, in Tornado Alley, it is typical to have thunderstorms and tornadoes, but not one of this magnitude. Let's go back to that date, May 4th, 2007. Please give us an overview of what happened that day. Well, I think it was a pretty typical spring day um, in Kansas. It was nice. It was warm um, that day. I know a lot of people, it was a Friday, took advantage of the the warm weather earlier in the evening to start working in their yards and mowing and things like that. Um, But there was definitely kind of a heaviness in the air. A lot of people that live in this part of the country, you can just kind of sense when the weather Um, could be active. And a lot of people knew that. Meteorologists were actually predicting that there was going to be bad weather um, that evening and kind of pinpointing us in in an area of where it might hit. And um, sure enough, about 0830 that night is when the storm started building up and when the tornado started forming south of here and heading this way. And it hit Greensburg at 945 in the (sighs) evening. It's pretty tough at night because you really can't see it, right? Yes, and it was such a large wedge tornado that you really couldn't see it except when the lightning would flash, and it was just so dark. 
But, you know, if you can pick a time of day, I really think that the time of day it hit was very fortunate because it was late enough. People were at home. Kids were not in school. People Mm. weren't at work. They weren't out and about. They were at home. And then it was early enough. They hadn't gone to bed yet. And so I really think, you know, if you could pick a time of day, it it was fortunate that it hit at 945. But you did lose 11 lives, I I believe, in that storm, right? Yes. Okay, we're talking with Stacy Barnes of Greensburg, Kansas Tourism. Stacy, the movie Twister showed the role of both meteorologists and storm chasers. How important are they to Kansas in general and Greensburg in particular? Well, meteorologists and storm spotters are tremendously important, especially during bad weather. I think we can really credit um, here in Greensburg to only having 11 people lost in our storm to um, the Dodge City Weather Service, and they issued a tornado emergency for us, which I'd never heard of prior to this. Um, It's actually worse than a tornado warning. They only issue it when a tornado is very imminent, going to hit a populated area. And so they issued that tornado emergency shortly before it hit Greensburg. And I think that really showed the people here in town that were watching the weather on the news um, that this was a very serious situation. Um, But storm chasers and meteorologists are still very important to us uh, from also a weather warning standpoint, but then also um, here in Greensburg, we see them every spring from a tourism aspect. We have storm chasers, and um, there's even some groups that do uh, storm chasing tours. They have tour groups that they come, and they come to visit Greensburg now because of what happened here, and they want to see our rebuilding and how we're doing. And so um, we appreciate them in a different way also because of that. Hmm. And what would you say to people who hear those storm warnings and think it's a false alarm? Well, you never think it's going to happen to you, but then it can. And um, I would say that you should always heed the warnings and and take them seriously. I know my, my dad is one. I remember growing up, he'd be the guy out on the back porch with the neighbor watching while we would be in the basement. Um, but that night, he just knew it was different. He and my mom were in the basement. Uh, they had shoes on. She had her purse. They had a flashlight. They They knew that. Um, it was different and heeded the warnings. And I think that that's a lot of people here in Greensburg heeded the warnings, and that's why we didn't have a greater loss of life. Mm-hmm. And what do you think of those people who've never been in a tornado, but they think storm chasing is an exciting idea for a vacation? <laughs> um, it is an exciting idea, and I, um, I'm sure thrilling, but it can also be dangerous. And I would say mm. that if they want to chase to make sure that they – Um, are educated and and know what they're doing or to go with people who are experienced just to make sure that they are safe. You're listening to Travelitch Radio now in our 11th season, approaching our 500th episode with Dan Schlossberg and Mary Ellen Nugent-Lee. Check us out on iTunes or blogtalkradio.com or visit the Travelitch Radio Facebook page. And we're talking tonight with Stacey Barnes of Greensburg Tourism. Stacey, getting back to what happened in Greensburg, please describe the response and recovery. Well, if you can imagine, right after the tornado passed through town, um, the the confusion of people coming out of their basements, their piles of rubble, and just trying to figure out what had happened. And Mm. a lot of people here in town will say, oh, I just thought it was my side of town that got hit. And then as they walked, they realized 
they would see people they knew that lived on the other side of town. And it became apparent really at daylight when people could see um, that it was really the whole town. And things were pitch black, you know, all the streetlights, every light of houses, everything was taken out. So it was just pitch black that night. But we really had tremendous emergency response right after neighboring communities within a 60-mile radius were here to help us and to start doing search and recovery and getting people to temporary shelters, all of those things, just that night. And then um, within the first few weeks, FEMA set up a um, temporary trailer park for people here to live, to have some temporary housing while they were trying to figure out their rebuilding um, and it just a tremendous amount of help that we received from all over, from volunteers, from all sorts of nonprofit organizations and government agencies. It's really amazing all the help that we received, and we couldn't have done it without that. Did some of the survivors leave, and did others think it wouldn't be possible to rebuild a town that was 95% destroyed? Some people did leave, and, you know, we don't fault anyone for that. Everybody had to make the, the best decision for their family at that time. You know, when you're left with nothing but the clothes on your back and you have to figure out where to go or what to do, um, you know, you don't fault anybody for, for leaving. Um, a lot of the older population moved closer to kids and grandkids. They could go to a neighboring community and just buy a house and not have to go through the, the rebuilding process that it takes to build a home. Um, you know, I don't know. I'm sure there's some people out there that thought that it wouldn't be possible to, to rebuild, um, but we're still here. <laughs> and tell us about that decision to build back, and especially to build back sustainably. What did that look like in the initial rebuilding process, and what does it look like today? Well, community leaders started meeting very early within a few days after the tornado and just kind of started brainstorming and talking about, you know, how do we do this? What does it look like? Yeah. And how do we build back better and stronger? You know, looking at the town we had before, um, there, there were some challenges that all rural communities were and are facing. And so being able to take that opportunity of, um, unfortunately, a terrible thing with a tornado, but trying to make a positive out of it and to build back in, in a way um, that would be sustainable, that our town would be here for the future. And so looking at uh, incorporating some um, green features and sustainable features into new buildings and really trying to plan for future generations and what was rebuilt. That is amazing. So Dan was saying that it was 95% destroyed. How much damage was done in Greensburg, and how much has it cost to rebuild? And were those rebuilding costs done by the federal government, the state government, local government, or did insurance cover any of the losses? Yes, all of those things. Um, Really, everything here was a funding mix of all of those different things from both um, people's own personal funds, their mm. in homeowners insurance. Um, we did have a lot of assistance from the federal government because we were designated a FEMA disaster. Uh, sure. But that doesn't make you whole. It doesn't pay for everything. And so there was local investment here and, you know, a lot of other donations and, you know, private businesses and things like that 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 helped. So it was really a, a wide mix of things that um, helped us to rebuild. Mm. Last week on the show, Stacy, we talked about another disaster aftermath, the Flight 93 Memorial in Shanksville, Pennsylvania, 
Do you think Greensburg has acquired a similar reputation as a disaster aftermath? Yes, I think so in in that way. Um, we are historically known for the Big Well, and that's still something people come to visit us to see. Hmm. In fact, we have visitors regularly that have no idea we've had a tornado here. Um, they'll come into the Big Well Museum and be talking, and we'll just they'll see the pictures. They're like, oh, that's why it looks so different here. <laughs> um, because, you know, the buildings are new, and it doesn't look like your typical small town in Kansas, and um, it doesn't really dawn on them until they see the pictures and hear the story. But, yes, um, in, in a way we have been kind of known as that tornado town. Um, but, you know, as time goes on and we continue to rebuild and make steps forward, um, that will be less visible. Stacey, mm-hmm. in your opinion, what makes Greensburg such a unique destination today? Well, I think all of those things we've been talking about, but um, specifically, you know, the Big Well um, is a very unique destination, kind of one of those quirky roadside attractions that we've had for decades here um, that, that people enjoy stopping to see. Um, and again, the, the Palisite meteorite, it's known all over for people who oh, sure. are interested in meteorites and want to see it. But then the story of our resilience and our recovery, I think that that's really what makes us a very unique place um, to see the, the devastation that we experienced here and then to hear our story of resilience. And that's really um, what it's about here is how we're still here today and we went through a terrible thing and have come out on the other side. We're talking with Stacy Barnes of Greensburg Tourism. Stacy, what are, what are some of the chief things to, you know, activities and things to do if people come mm-hmm. out, they come and see the well, what else can mm-hmm. they do? Well, beyond that, we have some great local shops and restaurants here on our main street. Um, we actually have bicycles that um, anybody can borrow that are at the Big Well Museum, and so you can bike around town and check out our new buildings. Um, we also have a historical museum with an old-fashioned soda fountain. Um, we had an old drugstore downtown before the tornado, and it was destroyed, but they were able to pull the old soda fountain out of the rubble and have it restored uh, by a company in Chicago, and now it's in our historical museum as a living history exhibit. So you can go get an old-fashioned soda fountain treat as you tour around town. So um, we have lots of interesting things that people can see and do. Oh, that's fun. And how are you battling back against that trend toward rural decline in America? Is that that a, a true thing? Yes, you know, all small towns across the country are experiencing the same decline. I think some of us, um, we've kind of seen that level out a little bit, and especially since the pandemic. Um, some people have moved into rural communities because um, you can work from home thanks mm-hmm. to the Internet in a lot of cases and then um, live wherever you want. And so I think we've seen people move out of some cities into smaller communities because of that. Um, you know, we're looking to attract new businesses and new people to come to our community, and that's how we're, you know, trying to reverse that trend or at least um, slow it here in our town. Sure, sure, and I bet people love that sense of community. So mm-hmm. what does the future look like for Greensburg, and what are you working on now? 
Well, I think our future, we're just continuing to take steps forward and rebuilding since the tornado. You know, things are really, um, the main things have been rebuilt in the last 15 years, but we're still trying to make steps forward and um, grow new businesses here, uh, continue to work on housing specifically. Mm. Um, we have a housing shortage like much of the country does, yes. um, but because of the tornado, we lost a lot of our housing stock. So we're working on those kind of projects and um, just attracting new people to, to live here and enjoy our community. Hmm. Stacy, are your hotels and restaurants busy again? Yes, they are. Um, we have a Best Western Hotel that rebuilt after the tornado and another locally owned motel, and then um, five locally owned restaurants here that we are really happy to be on busy highway 54 400 that runs through town here and so we see a lot of good highway traffic and and visitors so they definitely see that business day to day and i know you're proud of your state as well as your town so please share with our listeners a few other places they should see when they come to kansas and feel free to share some of your personal favorites well, there's so many. Um, I could take up the rest of my time talking about all the wonderful <laughs> places there are to see in Kansas and um, just some here in our area. I mentioned Dodge City earlier. They have a brand new addition to the Boot Hill Museum um, that's nearby here. And to really have that Wild West, Old West experience, you know, Doc Holliday and Wyatt Earp and all of those things, I think, you know, Dodge City um, is a great experience to have. Um, there's so many fabulous small town attractions, just like we have the Big Well. There's so many other quirky things to see and do here in Kansas. And um, just 10 miles to the west of us is Mullinville, Kansas. And they have a historic round barn. And then the art of um, a local artist that passed away five years ago, but his name is M.T. Liggett. And he has made over um, 800 sculptures out of reclaimed metal that line the highway on the outside of Mullenville. And it's really um, something to take in. He uh, made these whirligig sculptures of people and um, different um, politicians and all sorts of things. So it's really something great to see. Um, you know, you go to Cocker City, Kansas, and you can see the ball of twine, the world's largest <laughs> ball of sisal twine. You know, there's all these great um, small town attractions. Um, you go to Lucas, Kansas, and they have the Garden of Eden, which is another grassroots art site. Um, we just have so many things. And then, of course, the big attractions that you'll see in the larger cities, like in Wichita, our state capital, um, in Topeka, um, just to visit our state capitol building, the architecture there and the artwork of the murals inside. Um, they're, they're beautiful. Mm. We're talking with Stacy Barnes of Greensburg Tourism. Stacy, um, tell us if people are going to fly in, um, should they fly into Wichita? And can you also tell our listeners how they can learn more about things to do in the Greensburg, Kansas area? Yes, if you're going to fly in, um, Wichita would probably be the best. You can also fly into Dodge City or Garden City. Um, mm -hmm. And if you want to learn more about us, you can go to visitgreensburgks.com and learn what there is to see and do here and request some more information. We would love to have people come and visit. Sure. And is there anything we haven't asked you that you'd like to add? 
Um, I don't think so. I'm just so glad to have had this opportunity to visit with you, and I hope that many people, especially you two, will be able to come and visit us. We're intrigued. Thank yes. you so much. We've been talking tonight with Stacy Barnes of, Getty, of Greensburg, Kansas. Thank you for being our guest on Travel It's Radio, and good luck with your rebuild. I'm sure your town will be bigger and better than ever. Thank you so much. And with postseason baseball right around the corner, there's no better time to check out my book, The New Baseball Bible, Notes, Nuggets, Lists, and Legends from Our National Pastime, 480 pages for less than a saw buck. It's both a coffee table book and a bathroom book. Read it backwards and still enjoy it. That's The New Baseball Bible with Mike Trout on the cover. Get it tonight on Amazon.com. And that's it for this edition of Travel It Radio. Next week, same time, same station, same writer, same announcers. We'll head to Galveston, Texas for a talk with Mary Beth Bassett. Now this is Dan Schlossberg along with Mary Ellen Nugent Lee saying thank you for your time this time. Until next time, good night and stay safe. Ryan here and I have a question for you. What do you do when you win? Like are you a fist pumper, a woohooer, a hand clapper, a high fiver? I kind of like the high five, but if you want to hone in on those winning moves, check out Chumba Casino. At chumbacasino.com, choose from hundreds of social casino-style games for your chance to redeem serious cash prizes. There are new game releases weekly plus free daily bonuses, so don't wait. Start having the most fun ever at chumbacasino.com. No purchase necessary. BDW, void were prohibited by law. See terms and conditions. 18+. Plus.